Hey, welcome to Project Recovery, a podcast about addiction. More importantly, it's about recovery. My name is Casey Scott, and my road to recovery began with Pinnacle Recovery. If you know somebody who needs some help, have them do what I did and give Pinnacle Recovery a call. Hey, Dr. Matt, so you just said something before the mics went on. Uh Uh-oh. You said it's the professor in me. Oh. Are we talking about Gilligan's Island? <laughs> I wish I was that fun of a professor. The professor was pretty cool. He was cool. He was always building coconut phones and cool but couldn't fix like a hole that. in the boat. No, he couldn't fix the hole in the boat. Because who do you think I would be on Gilligan's Island? I think I'm a little bit uh, of Gilligan. I think you're a little bit of the Gilligan, a little bit of Skipper, though. Yeah. I feel like you're a little, you're kind of like that good time Charlie guy. He just kind of shows up. And, good time Charlie yeah, guy. Yeah. Hey, the weather outside is frightful. <laughs> that means Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Right. And then we've got the holidays. Yep. And, you know, I, the thing, I, I really love Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, and, I do too. And, and it means a lot to me this year. Because there's a lot of stuff that I'm thankful for. Yeah, I bet. And and it, it means I I don't mostly wanna... me and Josh, right? Yeah, yeah. You're... I'm thankful for this podcast, <laughs> but I really am thankful for both of you guys because you believed in me and uh, you show up every week and uh, we're doing amazing things with this podcast and I couldn't be happier. But I I am really right now looking at life through new eyes, which sounds stupid, but uh, because well, it's true though, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not bloodshot. Right. <laughs> They're not bleary. Yeah. yeah. I don't have these big bags underneath my eyes. Right. If you knew how many fights me and my mom got in about the bags underneath my eyes. Yeah. I mean, she wanted me to go get them taken out with a, you know, when I was on TV. She was like, you just, look, you like, really? you just look like you've been punched <laughs> in the face. What is wrong? And I go, it's just genetics. I didn't want to say it was Bud Light, but <laughs> it's just genetics, you know? Yeah. And so I started to wear the glasses to hide the bags uh. underneath my eyes. That should show you what lengths I went to to keep that secret. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really a secret, but what I would do to explain stupid stuff. And to make excuses, right? Yeah. yeah. And and, that, and that's what I was doing. But I am really thankful for what's going on right now in my life. And I am blessed, and uh, I really do love it. But what does Thanksgiving mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, on, on the the kind of funny, lighter side of that, uh, question would be my kids and I were talking the other day about how you know Thanksgiving's the ultimate lazy holiday, right? Yes. You know, you just you just have an excuse to do nothing, just to eat, lay around, maybe go to a movie, just take a nap, whatever. It's okay on Thanksgiving, but the reality is, I was thinking about like Thanksgiving. Uh, really, if, like most people, is family. I grew up uh, with uh, my dad's side of the family and my grandma Janet always putting on these huge family Thanksgivings with all the cousins running around, and those are some of my very favorite memories as a kid growing up. So I try to recreate that as best I can as an adult now. Grandma Janet's gone, but she left that legacy of family, and it was just okay to be crazy and run around the house and have the kids everywhere and food everywhere and, you know, like more pies than anyone could ever eat. A gluttonous holiday. Yeah, just but it's just that family together. Everybody gets to be who they are, and I felt loved and accepted on those uh, Thanksgivings. And, and so I, I think as a dad, that's my goal for Thanksgiving is to, to provide some of that. I can't, I can't be Grandma Janet. She was pretty special. But, you know, try to recreate some of that for my kids. When I think of Thanksgiving when I was a young kid, I always think of Light Bright. 
The light remember, bright? Oh, yeah. Do you remember light those bright? Those fun, yeah. For those of you who don't know what light bright <laughs> is, it used to be uh, this box that had a light bulb in the back, and then you'd put a black sheet of paper on it, and then you had these little colored pens, pins. Pins, yeah. That you would put in there, and you could do like a turkey, or they'd have, it was like a Make light bright. design you wanted. On steroids. Yeah. And my grandpa, check out this name. His name was Gorman Irwin. Really? Yeah. That's good. Gorman Irwin. He sounds like a character in a book. Yeah. And so Gorman Irwin had Lightbright, and he had all these different pens, and we'd go down there, and we'd do all this stuff, and that was cool until I was about 13. Yeah. Parents don't like it make, when you make boobs out of the Lightbright. I was going to say, I, I have a feeling yeah. I know what you were making yeah, out of like, Lightbright. No, <laughs> Casey's too old to play with Lightbright. And so that's what I think about. But, you know, I also just am thankful for everything that's in my life and i'm thankful for you and i like when you sat down and you said casey let's talk about nuns <laughs> and so i want to know where this is going yeah how, how do we bring nuns into the recovery world nuns uh well first of all there is a famous study that maybe some people learned about when they were in college uh and that is the the nun study on happiness and so one of the things that I want to talk about today leading into this holiday of gratitude is happiness and why is being happy, how does it really affect us? And so uh, in 1930, uh, about 200 nuns entered uh, a convent. And the reason that the nuns were the subject of the study is because nuns lead a very um, consistent life. So they, they have the same schedule every day. They get up, go to bed. You know, very have, routine. Very routine. And, and the routines all match. So, so that's nice for a study. Uh, their diets are pretty much consistent and the same across nuns. You know, one nun isn't eating Twinkies while the other one's a vegetarian. Like they all kind of have very similar diets. Mm -hmm. They have basically the same access to health care all throughout their lives. Um, and so nuns kind of make a good population to study. They don't, you know, there's not uh, alcohol and their, you know, their, their sexual behaviors probably shouldn't be any, I guess. And, you know, all that sort of stuff is consistent. I like that you said probably. Right. <laughs> probably well, you know, there's the rogue nun, I'm sure. Yeah, out yeah, there. yeah. Um, but the idea was they took, they wanted to study attitudes of these nuns and how it affected them over time. And so each nun at this time in 1930, when they entered the convent, they were asked to write a self-statement. And, and these nuns wrote this kind of manifesto about their intention of becoming a nun and what they hoped their life would be like and why they were doing it. It was a self-statement. And, and then these statements were analyzed for the language that was used, things that had to do with religion, that had to do with health, that had to do with family, you know, all these sorts of statements were identified in their writings. And then over time, actually over 70 years, wow. so the entire life of these nuns, uh, the nuns were were kind of followed up on periodically. How were they doing? What were they? You know, what were their behaviors like? What what did they accomplished? What was their health like? Are they happy they did this? Yeah, all those kinds of things. And at the at the end of the study, uh, seventy years out, so what they had found is the following: um, all those things about uh, their you know whether they wrote. Their, their spiritual statements, their religious intentions, their family statements, things that they wrote about, none of that really predicted much. But there was one type of statement that did predict um, longevity in health and happiness, and that was th those were statements of optimism, positivity. N nuns who had a high rate of looking at life as a glass half full. Mm-hmm lived longer 
by age 85, uh, 90% of the nuns, 80, you know, up to age 85, 90% of those nuns that had written optimistic or positive statements were still alive. They had required much less health care over their life. They had a healthier, more robust life, and they had accomplished most of what they had set out to accomplish in those original statements, uh, as opposed to the nuns that had a lack of these optimistic, positive statements. Wow. So what we're seeing is there's this connection between people who are optimistic, positive, you know, glass half full sorts of people and things that you may not think would predict it, like their actual physical health. And the correlation there is um, our emotional states affect our autonomic nervous system, that automatic system that just runs our body all the time, runs our organs and our sleeping and waking and breathing and digestion and all of that. So basically, the core aspect of your bodily system is highly affected by the emotions that you carry around with you every day. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I think I know the answer. Is happiness a choice? Yes and no. I think happiness, we know from research, is something you can develop. So in that sense, it is a choice. And it does start with a choice to develop it, sort of like being fit is a choice, right? Like we know that there are all these gyms out there and and people have tennis shoes they can run on the street with. And we know that if a person makes a choice to be consistent in, in getting fit, that their health will improve over time if they stick with it. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, I would say, yes, happiness is a choice. Um, Being unhappy is also a normal part of the human experience. So even a person who makes that choice to see things optimistically, trains their mind to have more positive emotions, uh, they may, of course, experience downturns in their mood as because well. Because you can't always be happy. That's part of life. You can't have one without the other. But I will say, yeah, overall it is a choice, and it's an effort sometimes. But there are ways, things people can actually do that we've shown with research improve our happiness, our our positivity, our positive emotions, all those things that we want that those nuns had. Like, I would love to live to be 85 plus and be in good health. Yes. And I would say, you know, while my grandma Janet, who we just talked about, wasn't a nun, she was a fun, optimistic, happy person. She loved having the family over and she lived until she was 92 years old in pretty good health. And so I, th- I think that those sorts of research studies really fill me with a lot of hope. And I want to talk today a little bit about gratitude and how gratitude plays a role in that. Now, in Pinnacle Recovery, where I went to recovery, gratitude played a big part in the 45 days I was there. They like to focus on the mind, body, and soul. And gratitude is something we started out every morning with. We'd start out with a meditation, and then we'd write something that we were grateful for. Mm-hmm. And kind of let that be our guiding light for the day. Mm-hmm. And with the, the assumption that is if you focus on that... Mm-hmm. You, 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 you're, 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 you're focusing on the positive. Right. And so being mindful is that, yes, I am going to have bad thoughts, and I'm going to be constantly reminded about my failures in the past. But what I can do is acknowledge those, not hide them, not put them down deep. Right. You can't stuff them away. No, but acknowledge them and then let them go, but then just try to focus and move towards the path of light. Yeah, that's the choice part, right? Yeah. And uh, the cognitive psychologist in me 
jumped on what you were saying because what we talk to people about a lot is this pattern, thoughts, feelings, behaviors. How we think about things has a huge impact on how we feel, those emotions that we have all day. Mm -hmm. And those emotions definitely affect what we end up doing. And so you can see how a person like you were in recovery, you're, you're in this uh, facility, you're thinking about, you could focus all day long on all the things that you'd lost and, you know, your job and the kids and all those things that would lead you to kind of down, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, negative emotions, maybe hopelessness even. And the behavior might be to not fully invest in the program, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas their goal, I'm sure, to, to do gratitude in the morning was very purposeful, and it fits that pattern, which is like, hey, if we can get these folks that are probably at their rock bottom, Lowest hopefully, point. hopefully it doesn't get any lower, yeah. they're at their rock bottom, if we can get them to grasp onto a focus, a thought that's, that is gratitude, and that improves their mood then it's likely to play out in their behaviors all day long. And that's a struggle every day to get up and, like you said, you acknowledge the the negativity. Yep, it's there. Boy, I really blew it. These are my problems. But I'm not going to focus on that. My focus is going to be gratitude. And the reason they chose gratitude is because gratitude has been studied a lot. And we, it's kind of one of those things where psychologists sometimes say stuff where everybody goes, well, duh, we all knew that. But, the but reason, we all didn't know that. <laughs> well, we don't all know that. But sometimes psychologists play a good role in just proving kind of the old adage is true. And so there's a lot, you know, anybody, if you go back 100 years, uh, you know, people were preaching and grandmas were teaching that you should be grateful, right? And, you know, I don't know if you guys did this, but when I was a kid, you know, you go around the table at Thanksgiving, say what you're grateful for. Gratitude's always been acknowledged as being important, but now we can actually link it to some powerful effects. It can increase your mood, increase your hopefulness, and we know those things can actually make you live longer. We used to go around the table and say what we're thankful for and then take a shot. And I'm not lying. <laughs> I believe that. that was really a deal, you know? Yeah. And so I'm going to do it this at year. At what age could you opt into that? Well, Did you, you, not at the kid table. 18. <laughs> 18? Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. uh, and, and I will take a shot. But it'll be, Thanksgiving. it'll be this right here. Look what I'm... Canada Dry, cranberry ginger ale. That's it's out for the holidays. Uh -huh. a, I love it. Okay. And, and I'll take a swig of that. And But I want to define gratitude because uh -huh. it seems to be a buzzword in the recovery world right now. Mm -hmm. So what is the definition of gratitude? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say, you know, gratitude is when you acknowledge something positive in your life and you sit with that for a minute. You experience the uh, the positive emotions that come with it. You are thankful, grateful. You're showing appreciation for something that has come into your life and benefited you in some way. Um, and then part of gratitude, I, I believe, if you're really grateful, then the second part is expressing it. So there's experiencing it, experiencing and recognizing the benefit of something in your life. It made you feel good. Made you feel good, benefited you, um, somehow you know, brought, made your life better. You're acknowledging that, you're dwelling on it, but then expressing it. I don't think you can be fully grateful unless you occasionally at least express those feelings to, to other people.
So how can we teach people gratitude? How can we help them grasp this concept that is gratitude, like you psychologists do, and kind of point out the obvious? Because, I mean, when I was in recovery, uh, we did a class on breathing. And at first I was like, this is stupid. I've said this before. I've been breathing my whole life. I don't need you guys to teach me to breathe. But when they taught me, I was like, huh. Yeah. That it's kind of cool. I never thought of it that way. And I think a lot of us think that we are thankful for things in our life. But mm-hmm. I think gratitude is a little more than just being thankful. It's yeah. actually realizing what kind of impact it has on your life. Yeah. I'm thankful that I hit green lights on the way in here. But I'm <laughs> yeah. grateful that I've got a car. Does that yeah. make sense? Sure. You know, and you know, that's you know, it, that really does affect my life is being able to drive. But yeah, I was thankful for that I didn't hit many red lights or Yeah, I mean, I think gratitude, thankfulness, those things can exist on a continuum from kind of more uh typical everyday sorts of things like like the traffic to uh really big big things in your life. Actually, as you're talking, I think the there's a correlation. There's a there's a common there's something in common between breathing to relax and gratitude, and I think that is meditation. Both of those, like breathing to breathe, your autonomic nervous system has that covered. I sometimes joke with people in the office. I'll say, I'm like, you know, breathing to stay alive, you got that covered. We don't need to practice that today. Yeah. <laughs> but breathing to calm your body and center your mind and be focused and to work through your anxieties, you have to learn that. And part of that practice is a meditation. You're, you're being meditative and focused in the moment. You're using your big words like anatomic. What is that? Oh, auto, uh, like automatic, like just the nervous system that, that just runs your, your body 24-7. You don't have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to move my arm, my arm moves. Well, that's that's more volition. You're doing that on purpose. Okay, we're getting off. <laughs> so how can we teach people gratitude? So I think there's a meditative aspect to it. Um, sometimes we will we'll say, oh, thanks to somebody. But to really be grateful, I think there needs to be a pause and a meditation about an experience. You have to slow down and experience it. So there are a bunch of different exercises people can do to incorporate gratitude into their lives. Um, but here's one I really like, and it's heavy. It's actually hard to do, and most people will probably not do it, but it has been shown to have a huge benefit in a person's life. Project recovery homework. There you go. It's good homework, and we're coming up on Thanksgiving. This might be a good time. I mean, I think the... But I know for me, in the recovery world, I am so grateful for so many people, so mm-hmm. I'm really going to do this, and I think there might be a lot of people in the, you know shoes just like mine going, mm-hmm. hey, okay, yeah, because yeah. somebody made a difference. Well, I think, man, we've had a lot of great stories this year. Um people sharing their gratitude for that one person that didn't give up on them or that 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 program that really made a difference in their life and all of us whether we've been in recovery or not have people who we wouldn't be where we are today without those people right right so here's the exercise and it's a, it's a great one so um, it's called a gratitude letter and this is how it works people do variations this is the dr. Matt version but the dr. Matt version is just the research version what do we know works that's one of the things I ask myself a lot I don't want to do things that don't can't be proven to work and uh, he, a gratitude letter would be the following. I would challenge people to pick somebody, a, a singular person in their life who is still living for this exercise, 
who has made a really big difference to them. Somebody who you could pause and meditate about their influence in your life and recognize a lot of specific instances where that person has done you know, multiple things that have really improved your life. You're really grateful for them. And I would sit with that for a little while and just think about it, meditate on it. The second thing then you do is you draft a letter. You very directly write a letter to this person and you tell them uh, two things. One, identify several specific things they've done. It's one thing to say, I'm really grateful for you. That's a nice thing to hear and it's a good thing to express. This exercise goes beyond that. The idea is, I'm grateful for you and here are the reasons why. And you would identify several specific behaviors, things that person has done for you that you really appreciate. And then go after each one and talk about the influence it had. I appreciate you for doing this and here's how it affected me. And you write a letter like that. Okay, that's that's the, the meat of it. Mm-hmm. But the hard part where most people will, they'll hand that off to someone or they'll mail it to them. And if that's as far as you can go, that's going to be a good thing. But the real uh, benefit comes when you go to that person. So you might have to, if they live in Phoenix, you might have to hop on an airplane and fly down there or wherever. And you ask them, could I, could I spend a few minutes with you? I have something to share. And you read them that letter out loud. You sit down, you say, I'd li- I have something for you. It's a gift. I'd like to read it to you. You read that letter to that person. Wow. It's powerful. Very, very powerful. It's very bonding. And it is, I think, one of the very best, most real and raw ways you can express appreciation for for someone in your life. Then everybody's going to cry. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to hug. And then you leave the letter with them. That's that's the gift you give them. It seems like a perfect Christmas gift. It's a wonderful Christmas gift. It's a wonderful Thanksgiving thing to do. It's something that could be done, of course, any time of year. But this time of year, we all become a little bit more meditative, a little more sentimental. We often think about people in our lives this time of year that have meant something to us, who have helped us become who we are, helped us through hard times. Um, you could do that with more than one person, of course. Oh, but, my list would be long. Yeah. So you say you're a research-based kind of guy. So what does Try the research be. say about that? So the research <laughs> shows for people who are struggling with their own depression. So if you're somebody out there listening right now and you're struggling with your own depression. Which goes hand in hand with uh, addiction. Yeah. The research, yeah, of course it does and often leads to uh, addiction and there's that cycle. Um, people who are in their own depression tend to have a relief of those depressive symptoms for at least six months after having this experience. Wow. So better than Prozac. Um, it's a really good type of therapy. I love it. Yeah. It, it's a it's a lasting effect. Now, that, now somebody might be listening and say, well, that's kind of now we just turned it into a selfish act. But I don't know that it is because the healthier you are, Casey, or I am. Everybody that we come in contact with benefits. We have to make time to take care of ourselves. And one of the best ways to take care of ourselves is to connect with those people in our lives that we love and that love us and that mean something to us. And I'll tie it back to the recovery world because as we found out on this podcast, so many different people have said it, the opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah. And this is going to help you form some of those great connections that can really help you sustain your recovery, to help you, and also show appreciation to those who have helped you. Like, I still 
it's one of the things that I struggle with in my recovery. And I told you, it wasn't until you know six months after I was out of uh, recovery that I called my ex-wife and told mm-hmm. her thank you. Mm-hmm. And there's still a, that list is still long of people that I want to sit down. Now, I, I tell them thank you all the time, mm-hmm. and, and I think they know that I'm appreciative, but I would really like to tell people how they've affected my life and how they've changed me and what it's meant to me of getting this second shot. And yeah. I, I, I think that's so powerful to, to be able to do that. But it's also I'm not going to lie, uncomfortable for me to to do that. I, for everybody. You know, and yeah. and I, I and once again, I, I tell my kids every day when I drop them off at school, do something that scares you. And I've also got to listen to my own advice and do something that scares me. And I think I'm really going to sit down and pen yeah. a couple letters in the next week. And Well, I hope you do. I mean, you have to be prepared. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, it's going to bond you with that person in a loving way for the rest of your life. Like most people don't do this. Um, the, the, it's also becoming very uncommon to get anything handwritten. Like people don't write letters anymore. And I, I would say if you need to type it, type it out. That's fine. But a handwritten letter takes it even to another level. And you give that to that person. Um, I have some letters uh, from my grandfather during World War II. And it's interesting to look at those letters. And like he wrote this. This was his hand that made this. It's more personal. It's more more of a connection with him if I look at those letters. Same thing when we do a handwritten thing. But of course, if you need to type it, that's fine too. It's really the sharing. And and like you said, I know you and you, you're a lot like me. I think we're both pretty free with saying thank you to people. Um, that's just kind of, I think, both of our personalities. Yeah. Um, but we're talking about t- going beyond. We're talking about getting into specifics. Sometimes right? thank you becomes white noise. And I don't it mean can. that in a, in, a, in a bad way. It's not a bad white noise, but it can be. But right. we, we tell our kids at a young age, say please and thank you, say please and thank you, right. without really telling them why we're saying mm-hmm. say please and thank you, just because it's the proper, polite thing to yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, but there should be some action behind that. And that's yeah. the thing that I've found in the recovery world is a lot of us know all this stuff. Uh, and and it's up in the head and it's bouncing around but if you don't put any action behind those thoughts right. then they're not doing you any good right. because there's so many out there they go yeah i know drinking this much is bad but mm-hmm. i'm not doing anything about it yeah there's a difference between knowledge and insight and you know it's like pick up a pack of cigarettes and you know on the side what's the warning hey moron you're going to get cancer if you smoke this is basically what it says Can right i get two packs of those yeah. <laughs> so we all know there's yeah. no there's no kid in america that doesn't know that that cigarettes are going to give you cancer but smoking's on the rise and we haven't obliterated smoking, although we know they're just basically little cancer sticks. Knowledge isn't enough. We have to really process and, and internalize information in order for it to change our behavior. Then it becomes insight. And, and so you're right. Uh, most people who are struggling with addiction uh, are struggling with that, that balance of how can I transition something from knowledge to insight, and uh, as a psychologist, I would say behavior. You have to do something about it. It's, it's, we're all guilty, at least I have been, of thinking up great plans mm-hmm. and not putting them into action. How many of us have done that? We all do it, I think. I know I do. 
They taught me in the fraternity, if you failed to plan, you plan to fail. Is that what they did? Yeah. And then they let you buy somebody's homework? Oh, we never <laughs> bought anyone's homework. Come on, Dr. Matt. Uh, hey, so I want you guys to do this, if you will, and uh, write your uh, letter of gratitude. And then, uh, if you don't mind, share it on Facebook and tell us what your results were and, and, and what it meant to you. I would love to hear from people who, who this holiday season take us up on this challenge and do it. I've done it before. I actually have one in mind to do this year again. Um, it's hard because I'm a bit of a crier, you know. You, oh, you, yeah. When you're saying, hey, I love you and I appreciate you, I'm grateful for you for these reasons and this is how it's affected me, boy, it doesn't get any more vulnerable and open than that. But what a great experience to connect with somebody who means a lot in your life. And I've said before, vulnerability is a superpower. And it if really you can is. embrace that, I, I, I challenge you to do so. So write a letter of gratitude, go to our Facebook, go to our Instagram, and let us know what it meant to you and, and, and what you found out by doing this exercise. We've also got a phone line now that you can call and ask questions to me, Dr. Matt, even Hippie Josh over there, and we'll be able to answer your questions. And so that number is 801 237 2455. That's 801 237 2455. So, we wanted this show to be a little, uh, little lighthearted and, and give you some homework because we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for uh, allowing us into your homes and into your lives and for you guys coming on here and sharing your stories with us because I can tell you right now when I'm out and about, this podcast is making a difference. Oh, it is. Uh, I'm always uh, pleasantly surprised when somebody comes up and comments to me that they've been listening to the show and that it's they've turned friends and family onto it and it's educated them in some way or encouraged them in some way. It's really great. I want to take a second, though, and I'm, I'm going to model the letter because I want to tell you that I'm, I'm really grateful for your friendship, Casey. Oh. I, I appreciate that. And people may or may not know that we've been friends for a lot longer than this podcast. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you specifically one of the things that I'm grateful for, and that is I tend, as a person, to – I think I'm a pretty fun-loving guy, but I tend to get kind of serious sometimes and a little bit too focused and serious about life. And being around you always lightens my spirits, makes me feel happy. Um, I always kind of see the lighter side of things. And I walk away from my interactions hanging out with you always feeling a little boosted. And so I wanted to tell you I'm grateful for you and the opportunity to keep doing something like this with my good friend. Man, that makes I'm not going to cry. But I, it means the world to me that you would be willing to give me a second shot and do this podcast with me. It means the world to me that you didn't walk away because there were so many times that I gave ample reasons for people just to walk away from me. I was selfish. I was arrogant. I was... And, and and I'm I'm not saying that I'm humbled, but I have been humbled and, and I'm grateful that I'm allowed to do this and be able to share these people's stories with everybody out there. So thank you for doing this. And thank you, Josh, for all you do, because the, they don't know what Josh does, but he does all our social. He goes above and beyond. He does everything. He really makes us look good. So the fact that you guys let us come into your hearts and come into your minds and come into your cars means the world to us. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. Project Recovery is a KSL podcast.
The contents of this program are for informational purposes only. The program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, licensed therapist, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this program. KSL does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on the program. Reliance on any information provided on the program is solely at your own risk.